Welcome, Rink Rats, to this special Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 27. The mellifluous episode. <laughs> Is that the word you were using, John? Mellifluous. Mellifluous, yes. Mellifluous. But named named for Al, the mellifluous Al Samaglia, who will be a future <laughs> guest on Rinkcast. Yes. Uh, we are exclusively sponsored by the Premium Hockey Outfitters at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use discount code the rink to get your stuff. They even make stuff for short mid-40s round bodies like myself. I was uh, modeling some today. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, uh, nice. today is Thursday, July 19th, 2018. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? And I am joined once again by my co-host, good friend, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. Jeff, buddy, we've got some things to talk about tonight. <laughs> yes, we do. Seriously, these potato heads have to be the unsexiest mob of all time. And we were supposed to be joined by Mr. Mario Terbasi, but uh, scheduling conflicts couldn't uh, get him here for us, but... He's here with us in, in some sort of spirit. Maybe, might be, maybe an evil spirit, but some kind of spirit. Oh? Yeah. Oh? Oh? <laughs> Very good. But we have a new voice on the uh, podcast today. Mr. Eric Andrews from, uh, he's our, our prospect guy who you may be familiar with. He's been doing all of our prospect rankings and he's been spending all week at camp with me. So hello, Eric. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on here. He is a bad, bad man. <laughs> and a former lacrosse player. So there you go. That's right. a big plus for him, too. <clears throat> there you go. So, yeah, anyone who's uh, or the, the four people that probably came and visited us up at camp <laughs> probably met Eric and I both. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time talking with Greg Boyson, uh, who's with the Hockey Writers now. Uh, Charlie Congrats, Romili- Greg. That's cool. Yeah, Charlie Romiliotis was very cool. Seen him Easy several times. Today. I told him today I spend more time with him this week than I have my own fiance. Uh, Charlie's a good guy. Yeah, Charlie's an awesome guy. He's going to be on soon. You know, we're going to have him on at some point. Yep. Uh, Scotty Scooter Powers, Scotty Powers. He was, uh, he's out there and working it hard, taking pictures with me. Uh, John Dietz from the Daily Herald was out there. Uh, Jay, the good old famous, the more famous Zawaski, <laughs> Jay. <laughs> was out there uh, i spent some time talking with jay zawaski uh it was nice to see him get out there and be able to see some of the uh prospects out there so uh yeah it's it was a good week got got, got so to, it's, it's fair to say gate that you're kind of a big deal now <laughs> i don't know about that wow he was signing autographs know. today Tap <laughs> <laughs> the brakes up oh, back in the box last <laughs> if you're a hawks writer right now you have no idea what's going on yeah, well, that was the one guy oh, who I didn't oh, run I into. What's going on. Actually, I did yeah, almost like... run into him. Uh, he was coming out of the bathroom, and uh, I was going towards the bathroom. And uh, needless to say, he did not stop to say hi, so he may have uh, recognized me. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Next. Yeah. Back in the box, ladies. Um. Well, anyway. So we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks. I was out of town last week, and, uh, you know, and earlier this week I've been you know running back and forth to camp. So last week uh, there was a trade late in the week. Uh, oh, yes. 
it was the Marian Hosa, the infamous Marian Hosa trade. The, as Mark Lazarus put it, the albatross of a contract. Marian Hosa trade. <sighs> Drunk and donuts? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was not an albatross of a contract. It was a, it made for a little bit of uh, annoyance. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when when they signed that deal back in 2009, I, I, you know, everybody knew that at the last four years of that contract, there were going to be some things to deal with, um, you know, because of the way it was structured and, um, you know, recap, potential recapture penalties, um, et cetera. Um, but, you know, but the bottom line is they certainly got full value out of, uh, I guess, eight seasons of uh, functional Marion Hosa and uh, three Stanley Cups later. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a, there was an issue with the whole LTIR issue, um, you know, renewing every year and having to deal with that. But, I mean, I think everybody knew that sooner or later that contract was going to get traded somewhere. Um, the price ended up being Vinny Henestrosa, which actually I had heard from a source, of, you know, a few days ago, actually, that uh, – in fact, they did not want to include Vinny and Estrosa in the deal, and that was the only way Arizona was going to do it, and uh, it was a price they had to pay to move the contract. Um, I think they you know, feel like they got a bit of a lottery ticket coming back the other way with Marcus Kruger, maybe uh, Mackenzie Entwistle, the, uh, the prize prospect in the deal is not exactly a prize prospect, but he may have some upside down the line in the NHL. So, you know, we'll see. In the meantime, they've, they've recouped some cap space that's – now got everybody with visions of Artemi Panarin dancing in their heads. Um, and uh, we can talk a little bit more about that later. Nailed it! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, so the full trade was uh, Marion Hosa, Vinny Henestrosa, Jordan Osterley, and a third-round pick for Marcus Kruger, Mackenzie Enswistle, Jordan Maletta, and Andrew Campbell, who are probably both just AHL depth players, and a nice. fifth-round draft pick. So they flipped, flipped a third and a fifth round. Now, a couple of AHL depth players and uh, Marcus Kruger, who may or may not be the shell of what he was one day. One day, I don't know. I'm not looking. You know, I'm not putting a lot of. Uh, I'm not putting a lot of stock in him being able to return to any kind of glory. That he and the glory was limited in the first place. Yeah, I don't think there's. I don't think anybody on this team is returning to glory this yeah. year. Yeah. Um. I think you know the Hawks. I think it's a lottery ticket. I think the Hawks are. You know, thinking that because his injury last year was a sports hernia, so it's not degenerative. Um, he had good face-off numbers last year. So they may be thinking, you know, this is the guy that can come in and help them, um, you know, with penalty kill face-offs and defensive zone face-offs and, um, you know, do some of the things at least he used to do. And if he can do that, then he's a nice pickup. Yeah. No, he's not getting them back to the Stanley Cup finals or anything close to it. But if they can check a couple of other boxes this, this offseason – and if the now uh, seemingly miraculous eventuality of Corey Crawford playing um, happens, then you know maybe there's something there's something to talk about. Yeah, well, well, we're gonna we're gonna have to discuss that Corey Crawford thing. We're gonna again, unpack too. that as well. Yeah, because that got weird again this week. So, boom, nailed it. Uh, Pretty much. Well, the and and like you mentioned, the quote unquote prize prospect was McKenzie McKenzie Entwistle. This week, Eric and I. <laughs> Yeah, we we got a a lot of Mackenzie Etwistle uh, material. So, Eric, what were you, what, what were your opinions on this uh, this new new guy coming into the system? 
Yeah, well, I think the best thing about him is his size, honestly. That's something that we're pretty much lacking as far as forward prospects go, as we all know. Um, so his size is nice. That said, um, I haven't really seen a whole lot this week that leads me to believe that he'll be anything special at the NHL level. Um, he has a decent shot, but uh, as far as just puck skills, that's really about all you're going to get from him. Yeah, and I think his... Uh... We were, I was commenting today about his foot speed was not there either. So he's not not exactly fleet of foot. He's kind of big and lumbering. He's got decent decent hands. They're okay, and he and he got an okay shot, but nothing really stood out with these you know with these midgets they have going on out there. So <laughs> yeah, pretty much he uh, he's a front of the net kind of garbage rebound kind of guy. Um, and that's really all he's been doing at the junior level anyway. So, yeah. so let me ask you guys, because the, the guy who seems like, or one of the guys who seems to be, have gotten a lot of press is uh, Jake Wise. And, you know, one of the knocks on him, um, as far as his scouting report, was that he, his skating needed work. Now, you know, I'm a believer that these pros, prospect camps tend to create legends that are very short-lived. Um, you know, guys will come in and dominate against 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds at prospect camp and then never to be heard from again. Um, you know, I'm still feeling the burn of Alexander Fortin. Well, we're going to bring him up ago. again later, so don't 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 sleep right. on Alexander Fortin. We will bring him up again. Good. good. Go ahead. I hope you have but good go things ahead. to say. Yeah, go ahead. But the point is, so my question is, is about Jake Wise. I, I You know, I did see some tape of him, you know, basically stick handling through about 17 guys. And, you know, it was, it was that that was impressive. Um, didn't look terribly fast to me on, in that little piece of tape, but it was also really hard to gauge. So my question to you guys, you know, it, it, does he look like a guy who, who potentially could have the wheels to play uh, in the NHL? Or is he a guy who's going to always have, you know, off the charts abilities with his hands, but but can't skate in the NHL? You could take that one, Eric. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly, I've been really impressed with him this week. Um, to me, he's been the most noticeable guy on the ice all week. Um, yeah, I, I think, as you mentioned, John, the, the speed factor there is something he'll need to improve on uh, to be an effective NHL player. Um, and I think uh, I've seen the video that you're talking about, and that wasn't a great look at his skating. But in some of the more small area games and things like that, he has been able to to at least hold his own um, as far as skating goes against the other guys out there. And obviously his uh, stick handling, passing, and shooting are very, very good, especially for uh, the the stage that he's at in his career. Good. And I I think, like, straight line speed, he's not really the fastest. He's probably just average. But he seems to have some agility, more edge work stuff and agility than than straight line speed i mean yeah. honestly if you if you ask me like you know a, a tim soderland as far as centers go or something like that maybe maybe even an evan barrett maybe faster overall but um as far as his hands he's got really quick hands uh you know he was able to flick a a uh backhand up over one of the goalies pretty quickly and it surprised me at how quick he got over there and flipped flipped it up over the glove so, I mean, he, he, you know, you're not going to know what you're going to see or what you can really see until he gets out there against real adults. Yeah, right. So, but uh, before we get too deep into, into prospect camp, there was a, 
there was another name that was brought up by our boy Jay Zawaski. He actually mentioned it to me when we were talking was uh, Tobias Enstrom. Uh, as far as the free agent market goes, you know, the Blackhawks still have not made a, many moves whatsoever. Nothing to move the needle, nothing to really help their depth that much. They basically just cleared up cap room. And, but if you don't do anything with the cap room, then it's kind of worthless. Um, but I heard that, you know, apparently Joel Quenville really likes Tobias Enstrom for some reason. And I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't know that he makes a difference at all on this team. You know, at this point, he could be just a 5-6 defenseman with a bunch of 5-6 defensemen. So, I don't know. Uh, you said you hadn't particularly heard anything about it, but what was your opinion on that, John? Uh, well, you know, one thing about Tobias Enstrom is he's spent much of the last handful of years being sort of the defensive babysitter of Dustin Bufflin. And, you know, the way that Dustin plays, you know, having a guy who's who's responsible and smart – um, as his partner who can, uh, you know, sort of cover uh, 200 feet of ice pretty well and, and anticipate and read plays. Um, I, I, I think Enstrom has those abilities. I know he's, he's got some offensive ability as well. And, and uh, you know, I think I think Quinville really likes those guys, though, who can play both ends of the ice and are smart on defense more than anything else. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, I haven't I'm not going to claim to be the world's foremost expert on Tobias Enstrom, but um um, I have been impressed with the fact that he's he's kind of stabilized Buffalo at times. I mean, you know, Buffalo, we know what we're getting, a, a really athletic, dynamic, but mistake-prone defenseman who has some mobility issues, um, you know, especially side-to-side side and going backward. And, and um, so, you know, I don't, I, it, I bet that's what he's, what he's seeing in, in Enstrom, though, is the smarts and the two-way ability. Um, and, you know, that's, pro- that's probably what, uh, what Q likes if, if that rumor is, in fact, true. So, all right. Well, speaking of rumors and hearsay and all that, rumors. Um, anything? Uh, anything on the docket? Has it been quiet? You got any feelers out you know, there for the, anything? The the thing that uh, that I've heard over the last week was that the Hawks, especially right after the Hosa trade, um, and they you know had that that cap space created, that they got real serious in some conversations with the Montreal Canadiens about Max Pacioretty. Now, what's interesting is uh, our guy Tony Gennaris over at uh, Sports Mockery. Um, he um, you know, had a piece, I think it was yesterday, about the fact that uh, things are kind of breaking down with the Canadians and Pacioretty as far as an extension. And, um, you know, so I will, you know, I'll say, I mean, I've been hearing about the Hawks and Pacioretty for a couple of weeks, and it really heated up last week after the Hosa trade. Um, but as far as anything beyond that, I have not heard anything. Um, you know, there's these Artemi Panarin rumors that other people are reporting. I have not heard that from any people I talk to. Um, you know, we Jeff, we were talking, you know, before we started the, the ring cast tonight, though. Uh, I, I'm a little, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of people in the fan base who are really excited about Artemi Panarin coming back to Chicago. Listen, he's a great hockey player, but, you know, the, the – it's the dynamics of the contract that concern me. He has a year left on his deal. I think that he was traded to Columbus because the Hawks were not confident that they could resign him uh, next summer. I'm not sure that that much has changed to where they can. Sure, they have that $8 million in cap space now, but they have other holes too. It's not like you know signing Art- Artemi Panarin or trading for Artemi Panarin solves you know a lot of the other problems, and, and you've got to give up a lot to get him. Yeah. 
I mean, a lot. He's. I'm sure you have to give Columbus more assets to give him than the Hawks would have to give Montreal to get Max Pacioretty. Um, and I think the extension for Max, Pe- Max Pacioretty is probably a little more affordable than the extension would be for Artemi Panarin. So, um, you know, if, if the Hawks are as set as I think they are on getting a left wing to play opposite Patrick Kane, I think Hawk fans should want them to get the guy who makes the most sense, not just this year, but also, you know, a few years out. Um, and, and some of that's going to be contracted. Some of that's going to be the assets you have to give up to get him. And I don't personally, I don't care whether it's Artemi Panarin or Pacioretty, as long as the Hawks get the best deal. Well, how about this? Maybe I'll take this in a different direction and switch gears. On Do, it. It. Do it. Maybe the left wing for Patrick Kane is already playing center on his line. Well, that's possible too. Um, and, and maybe they should be worried more about finding a center that can yeah, win a goddamn that's, face that's possible off. Too, but I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that they're looking hard at, at any. I mean, the only guy I heard of that could conceivably fill that role was um, uh, Bozak, that they were looking at Bozak at one yeah. point. And, uh, um, but, you know, that, that kind of died quickly. And, and, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, but I agree. I think that there's still a needed center. I think, you know, we would all love for Marcus Kruger to, you know, step up and, and be that secondary faceoff option for Jonathan Taze, but we don't know if he can do that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a, that's a valid argument. Well, even in, in, in him being a secondary faceoff option, I mean, he's going to come back here as a fourth line player one way or the other. Yeah, true, um, true. So you you're going to have to and, be dragging the fourth line dregs out there with him to do that. You're yeah. not going to be able to put the second line out there or the third line out there unless you're going to, you know, have Marcus Kruger win a faceoff and then jump off the ice. I mean, this is that's getting yeah. into a, you know, right. a whole ridiculous zone. In the zone. offensive zone. Yeah. In the offensive zone. They don't really have a secondary faceoff option. They don't. And um, unless Nick Schmaltz gets a lot better at faceoffs this off season or, you know, Artem Anisimov is not going to, I mean, people have been waiting for him for 10 years and he's 45%, you know, year after year. And it always seems like with with Anisimov too, it's like when it's a really critical faceoff, he loses it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I was kind of bringing, I kind of jumped in on Tony's thread on Twitter today about this. It's like, there's a lot of people or there's a lot of kids in the system that could possibly play left wing. Uh, I don't necessarily think that left wing is a hole that they have to fill. I think they still have to shore up or at least get some depth on defense. And I still think they need another, at least middle six center agreed to help out. Uh, I think that getting a left wing, whether it's Panarin or Pacioretty is going to create a hole somewhere because as Tony brought up, they would be asking for possibly Schmaltz, which is, you know, it's debatable whether he's an NHL center or not, but he's a young player that's still slightly, you know, cost controlled. Um, He does play center, even though, you know, he doesn't play, he doesn't win faceoffs. Like you're just creating a hole somewhere else. You may make it, you know, there's a lot of left wings. Victor Edsel is listed as a center, but plays a lot of left wing. Nick well, Schmaltz let me ask you a question because I thought yeah. I've sort of war game this out. Let's say they did give up Schmaltz for Max Max, Max Pacioretty. Um, so then your top two lines are Brandon Saad, Jonathan Taves, Alex DeBrinket, Max Pacioretty, Artem Anisimov, Patrick Kane. I got to tell you, I don't have a big problem with that at all. No, that's not terrible. I, I don't know. I think you got. I think you've got two really potent scoring lines there. Assuming, you know, uh, the the top line um, can produce, and and 
know, there's no reason to think that DeBrinket's not going to get 30 goals this year. And, and uh, you know, again, the theory is that if you if you can take some of the faceoff pressure off of Taves, that frees up his offensive game. And there's some evidence that that's true, um, at least in the past. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, th- that doesn't and, and I got to be honest with you, I do believe that this interest in Pacioretty is is legitimate. And the other thing I heard in conjunction with that is that Patrick Kane, um, after playing in international play with Pacioretty, went to the team and said, get me, get this guy if you can, because I want to play with him. Yeah, um, that would so, make sense. Yeah, he's a perennial 30-goal scorer. I mean, that's, um, that's kind of why I was in the camp of them, where, where I thought they may pick Quinn Hughes, because he had played with Kane uh, for the international yeah. play. I thought they may go that route. So, yeah. yeah, you know, and the, the thing that is, is I just again, and I don't know if they're going to get patch ready um, of all the rumors out there. That's one I think has some legitimacy because of the relationship that Stan Bowman has with with Mark Bergevin um, because of apparently a relationship between because part of this, I think, is also dependent upon patch ready being willing to sign an extension with whoever he gets traded to. So I think, you know, he's he's going to have some input on this as well on some level. Um, but the, the reality of it is, is I don't think Artem Anisimov gets that trade done. I, you know, yeah. this is a guy for whom there's not a tremendous amount of demand in the NHL. Yeah, right. I mean, he's a serviceable player, but he's he's got a big contract, and he has some limitations, you yeah. know. So. Yeah, well, I and, you know, the, the frustration lies in the fact that, you know, in as much as I don't like uh, Mr. Lazarus and stuff, he did bring up a good point that the Blackhawks go into the season with this current roster, they're in trouble. Yeah, he's I right about that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah well, you know. I'm a troll on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So... So am I. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's... there. Something's going to have to happen. Otherwise, this is just going to continue going on with your uh, trademark uh, silent rebuild. Yeah, um, and there's a lot, you know, it's funny because I was getting into a discussion with a guy um, who, you know, just doubts everything and, and uh, we like, know well, a why lot does of Chicago those. have to go out? What, yeah, this was on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. He's like, well, why does Chicago have to go out and get anybody? They can just go into the season with what they have. They and, you know, my response was, and this is a guy who's not from Chicago, and I said, you know, the, the expectations are still so high for this team and you have this core signed for lots of dollars um, I, I, th- I, I think there's an expectation that they that they should go out and at least try to acquire the players necessary to get back into the playoffs this year. Um, you know, especially because of the money you're paying Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook and um, uh, Anisimov and Saad um, and Crawford. <laughs> um, and you know, the bottom line is though, it, it, the behavior. You know, don't listen to what they say. Look at what they do. The behavior is suggesting silent rebuild. It's suggesting that this is not going to be a very good team, that there's no real urgency to make this a better team. Um, I, I also believe, and we keep coming back to this, they really are waiting to see what's going on with Corey, with Corey Crawford. If Crawford can play and there's somebody out there the Hawks could trade for, then I think they, they might get a little more urgent about it because then you're, you're, it's a different conversation about the potential of this team. Um, but if Crawford can't play and you're writing Cam Ward and, and, you know, with Anton Forsberg as his backup, eh, you know, maybe they just, they're, they're sort of in semi tank mode and 
They're going to talk like there's, you know, it's still one goal, but the fact is the goal is a higher playoff spot, or excuse me, a higher draft spot. Yeah. So, Lewis for Hughes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not not the best news we have for people, unfortunately. But we'll see. It's not you know, our fault. Still, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of trade talk out there right now, um, and it's unusual for this for this time of year um, after you know, a couple of weeks into free agency that there's, that there's this much trade talk, but you know, there's, there's a, there's a number and it's, it's a lot of it's around wings, you know, guys who, uh, um, you know, are, are going to be free agents after this year and, you know, may not be happy, hundred percent happy where they are. And, you know, the three big ones I think are Skinner, Pacioretty and Panarin, all three left wings. Yeah. Which I don't, I, it doesn't, under, I, it just confuses the hell out of me why they're doing that. Cause if you look at the roster, like, They've got guys that are listed as centers, but they don't necessarily play center all that well, like Schmaltz. Yep. Anisimov. Or Edsel or Anisimov. I mean, you got Kruger. We know he can play center. But yeah. other than Jonathan Taves and Marcus Kruger, what does this team have as far as a solid, you know, all around center? They don't have anyone. You have the chiseled. Rock hard abs of David Camp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it, Camp was okay in a limited role last year, and you know maybe he and Kruger are the the three four centers on this team. Um, you know, but uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, as far as again that that secondary faceoff option um, on on the power play, um, centering Kane's line. You know. The, the thing last year, this time last year, the big the big debate was all these people are getting all excited about Kane, DeBrinckit, and Schmaltz on a line together. All that skill, all that excitement. But the question was, who's going to go and retrieve the puck? You know, who's going to go into the corners? Who's going to do the hard work along the wall to, to create space for those guys and, and to get those loose pucks? And that's why that line never really happened for that reason. And, um, you know, so it, it remains to be seen, you know, but who knows? I mean, a guy like Pacioretty, he's not known as a really physical player, but he's certainly probably more physical, say, than Schmaltz. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and uh, you know, so it may not matter as much, I guess, who's the center on that line if you've got two wings of that caliber. You know, maybe you can get by with Anisimov. Because Anisimov at least can go get pucks. Right, yeah. And, and you know, he can create some chaos in front of the net because of his size, which is another yep. thing they don't have a lot of. Yeah. So... You know, those are two assets they don't have that they could use. Maybe not. Maybe other teams can't, but he can't. But the Blackhawks can. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, that's enough about that for right now, I guess. Um, yes. <clears throat> the Corey Crawford uh, saga got a little weird this week again. Uh, you know, Stan Bowman's still playing word games. You know, nothing. His status has not changed. He is in Chicago. Uh there, you know, apparently he's hidden in a cage somewhere underneath the NBA ice arena because someone's he's, seen he's him. A, he's in a refrigerator box yeah. on Lower Wacker Drive. Yeah, someone has seen him. No one from the press has seen him. Uh, apparently he's come in and out of the building somehow. Maybe there's some kind of uh, secret path or doorway or, uh, you know, uh, coal tunnel underneath the NBA ice arena that they've the been crow cave. in and out of the building or something. Send like that. out the crow signal, chief. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very odd there. It, uh, and I'm just going to, you know, again, they said that he has not been on the ice. This is mid to late July. We're coming up on August right now. 
your goalie has not, he's been on the ice once since before Christmas. That's seven yeah. months. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, you know, if you step back and you really look at this thing from 30,000 feet, it's, it's not good. No. I mean, the guy hasn't played in seven months. There are varying, again, there are these varying theories out there about what's going, what's going wrong with him. The one that, that seems to have the most merit and the most traction is the concussion theory. So, so stop and think about that. He's, he had a concussion a couple of years ago um, that kept him out of some games. So he had a really, really bad concussion this year that caused him to miss seven months. And he's just going to show up on October 1st and be ready to play 65 games. And he's 34 years old. It's it's not really looking encouraging. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you're, you're talking about two and a half months to get this guy in shape, in hockey shape, and he hasn't stepped on the ice or faced any shots in seven plus months. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work like that. So and, you know, what happens the first time he goes behind the net to, to you know, corral a puck and somebody runs into him and, you know, somebody's going to take a run at him. You know, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, if he's if he's that bad, I mean, if, if it's concussion syndrome and he's that bad, I mean, it's a, he's a time bomb. It's only a matter of time before he's he's back in the in the in the cold room, the dark room. Well, I mean, Steve Monitor. Yeah. Right. I mean, he had the concussion. Well, they put Adam him Denmarsh, in Yeah. Well, Jason Allison, uh, Eric Lindros. I mean, the, there's a list as long as your arm. Well, I mean, the and the Monitor thing would be strangely, you know, eerily similar because of the fact that he had the bad concussion. It kept him out for a long time. When they finally put him in the lineup, they put him at forward first, like couple shifts. He goes out there, he gets elbowed in the head again, and he's never seen from ever again. Yeah. And then we know what happened from there. I mean, it's, that's very similar to, to what's going on with Corey Crawford. And, and he's playing a position now that, you know, the next shot could be the one in his head. You know, yeah. right off his mask. Yeah. Or, or warm-ups. Too, you know, you know it mean, could be in warm-ups or practice or whatever. Like, I've seen a number of players hit the goalie in the face or in the cage uh, this week at practices, or, you know, in uh, prospect camp. So, yeah, it just it's not looking good. People people just need to come to grips with And I don't care what what kind of horse crap they're going to be feeding you this weekend at the, at the, um, the convention because... If you ask me what they're going to do is he's going to be, you know, under close lock and key, you know, he's going to have security around him. He's only going to be allowed to, you know, go certain places. They're not going to throw him out there on a panel. He's going to be the goalie in a bubble. Yeah. They're not going to throw him out there on a panel probably and let him, you know, answer just random questions. Cause someone's going to say, what's going on with you? You know, it's going to happen. And they're not, and they're not going to let that happen, you know, in a public forum where it's supposed to be, you know, for the press and a a dog and pony show for the kids and the, and the fans so that someone could go up and say, Corey Crawford, what's up with you? What's going on with you? How come you've been on the ice in seven months? You know, that's going to be the first question that comes out from someone. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's. So let's again, I, I think because um, we keep saying, well, you know, it all depends on Crawford, but I think we're also saying right now that not to, to pin too much hope on that. So, um, yeah, I mean, and if, you know, if that's the case, then they're really putting their, you know, if they're really seriously hoping to do something this year, 
um, you know, as far as getting to the playoffs or much less advancing the playoffs. And they're putting a lot on Cam Ward, yep. um, you know, who has not really been a number one goalie for a couple of years. Um, uh, so it's, it's, yeah, not a good situation. And the defense is still not very good. Dab the brakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't know that the defense is going to be any better for Cam Ward here than it was last year in Carolina or uh, previously. So it's not much different actually the, the carolina he should be wishing he's back in carolina right now because their defense is looking all, pretty all right right now yeah so all right well um i guess we'll shift we've been talking for about a half hour now about all the Let's other shift. stuff but the big stuff that happened this week and we're going to drag eric back into here <laughs> come on in here yeah come Sounds on good. yeah you know <laughs> eric yeah actually bad, actually one thing about man. uh about crawford there yeah go ahead um yeah, during my athletic career, um, as illustrious as it was, um, which was storied and shrouded in a haze of myth and legend. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I had some concussion issues too. And I can tell you just from my experience that you don't play the same when you come back. Um, you're, you're much more aware of what's going on around you. You're much yeah. more hesitant. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's at any position, let alone if you're a goalie. So, oh. Yeah, I mean, even if he does come back, I don't see any way how he ever gets back to the form that he was at before he got hurt. Especially if it was this serious that kept him out this long, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had one that kept me out for about six months, and I it took Ooh. me a long time to get anywhere close to where I was before that. Yep. It's all good points. So, uh, everybody, you heard it here, man. Corey Crawford likely not starting the season uh, is the Blackhawks starting goalie, so... Just start coming to grips with it right now. Start planning ahead. Uh, so, uh, back to the prospect camp. Um, Eric and I have been spending a lot of quality time together. <laughs> um, you know, there's not a lot. This is a, It's a different camp this year. Uh, it's been getting different every year. Uh, as the years have gone on, uh, it's gone. You know, they, they used to bring in a bunch of free agents showcase them, you know, maybe give a guy a chance to sign. You get an Alex Fortin. Eventually you got like a Colin Delia. You didn't get a lot of them, but you got occasionally you got one of those players. Now as they've gone on, they've turned it more towards just prospect development and just to see what's good they have going on in their system. Players that, you know, play in college, Europe and junior, <clears throat> bring them all in together, see how they stack up against each other, see how they've improved, whatever. Lots of drills, lots and lots of drills. Uh, when before, they used to have uh, scrimmages, more scrimmages. It was like they would have at least a scrimmage a day. They would do like a morning session. Uh, they would do an afternoon session, and then they would do kind of a scrimmage towards the end. Well, now, you know, they have a different facility that's set up differently. They have two rinks they can use at the same time. So um, what they've done new this year is... Yesterday, they split the defensemen and the forwards onto two different ranks. The defensemen did their stuff, and it gave them a little bit more room to work with. So uh, Eric took the defensemen yesterday. I kind of showed up and took care of the forwards, or at least watched the forwards and, and uh, goalies. And uh, so, you know, you're not going to see, I don't think you're going to see for a while. You're going to see those... Um, prospects that really stand out uh, i think 
because, you know, like it is, again, most drill, you know, it is a bunch of drills. Unless you got a guy that has just, you know, world-class talent, just, you know, comes out of the draft with uh, the most speed out of any, you know, like a Connor McDavid type speed, you're not going to really see anything extraordinary out of these players. You, you may see a guy who has a really good couple of days and that and we have seen that, but um, you know, it's, it's really shifted. So when people ask us, you know, who's really grabbed your eye, it, it's almost a struggle to, a, to a degree because, and especially with, with, with these uh, you know, the defensemen are all roughly the same size. The forwards are all roughly the same size. The goalies are all roughly the same size. Uh, <clears throat> there isn't a whole lot standing out. That said, there are things that have grabbed our attention, and um, more specifically, Eric. You know, you have uh, things have grabbed your attention. So, what say you as far as what you've seen in, in the drill part of prospect camp with these guys? Yeah, well, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, Jake Wise has looked pretty good. Um, and, of course, you have to take all of this with a grain of salt, being that they're just competing against themselves. They're not actually going against NHL players. Um, but he's looked good. Um, another guy I've been really impressed with is Ian Mitchell, um, guy that Aaron is really big on, obviously. Um, <laughs> and he he's just looked really good, especially on the defensive side of the game. Um, he's been using his stick really well. There was one drill, I think it was on Tuesday that they were doing and pretty much it it was a one-on-one type of a situation and the coach would feed the forward a puck. And as soon as the puck would touch the forward stick, Mitchell's stick would be on his knocking it off almost instantaneously. Um, every single repetition. Um, so his, his stick work is really, really good defensively. His gaps are really good. Um, he's even shown some, some nice shooting ability at times. Um, so he, he's looked pretty good as well. Um, then obviously your other top D prospects like Boquist and Yoki Haru have looked fine too. Um, lots of potential, but still a little bit raw, especially for Boquist. Yeah. Um, as far as the young players go, nothing really super grabbed my attention i mean bokris is as advertised at least uh you know he's a 17 year old good defenseman uh yoki haro he is one of the better defensemen in the camp uh ian mitchell one of the better defensemen in the camp uh those guys you know that's it is exactly what we thought they were going to be bokris is you know he 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 needs some development uh i don't you know i didn't see anything that says that he's going to make the team out of camp and all of a sudden be you know, the the next savior, that's not going to happen. He's going back to junior and yeah, uh, he still probably needs at least a couple years. Yeah. Right. At least one year. Um, you know, uh, Yoki Haro, that's kind of up in the air. It just depends on how everyone else performs in camp too, because he, you know, he's got decent size. He's got the confidence. He, he you know, you can see he's out there laughing and, and having a good time. He's relaxed, but Several times, uh, especially today, I even pointed out, you know, he was uh, he was blown around some, uh, you know, people were forwards were, you know, out fighting him for the puck. So, you know, he today wasn't necessarily his best day. Uh, but he's had better days uh, as far as the camp goes. But, 
you know, he's, it's a 50-50 thing. It's not, like I said, he doesn't he hasn't stood out. He isn't like, oh, this is going to be the next great guy to come in here and play next to, you know, he's not going to be the Charlie McAvoy, like people yeah. are saying, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, so I've had some conversations with some people. I mean, there's a lot of Hawk fans who are kind of taken for granted that Yoki Haru is going to make the team this year. And, you know, my response to that is, you know, the, you know, the knock on him last year, and even he articulated this, was that he has some things to learn in the in the defensive end of the ice. And, you know, it's just funny how these narratives take hold and, and people start talking about how there's a hole on defense and then you, they automatically look to the prospect pipeline and who's the best guy at that position. Well, then he's going to make the team this year. And the reality of it is year after year, what happens is, is oftentimes the, the organization makes a decision to go with an older player who may not have the upside of that player, but he's more ready to play in the NHL. And I feel like, you know, this this narrative that Yoki Haru is a, a, a shoe in on the team this year is, is pretty insane. I mean, he, I just feel like he's, he's probably needs at least a year of pro hockey, I think, before he's going to be ready to play in the NHL. He's got all kinds of ability bringing the puck up the ice, you know, with the puck on his stick. He can really skate and stick handle and he almost looks like a forward with the puck on his blade. But, um, you know, he, he he apparently still has some work to do on the defensive end of the ice and. Just all these guys coming out of junior, typically, you know, a guy like um, DeBrickett last year was a little bit of an exception. Typically, they just have an adjustment to make to pro hockey. I mean, and even the great DeBrickett, first 20 games last year, he was pretty much worthless. Yeah, he had like you five know? goals and four of them were empty netters. Yeah, and he was 20 years old, you know. I mean, um, it, it, so it's it's just a case where I think that uh, – you know, I I'm I'm excited by Yoki Hardy. When I when I saw him play in person last year, I mean, there's the skill was obvious, but skill does not necessarily not necessarily translate to actual NHL ability. It takes time, and especially in defense, and especially with a coach like Quenville, who could just destroy this kid's head yeah. if he's not ready to play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't see it personally, but we'll yeah, see. I I don't think so. I. You know, a couple notes as far as the defense goes. Um, like you said about Bochrist, uh, you know, he, he's going to be good. You know, he's going to be pretty yeah. good. He's, you know, he, he doesn't look super small out there, and I'm hoping he puts on some weight, maybe even grows an inch or two. Uh, at 17, he could still do that. Uh, I've been seeing a lot them giving a lot of Blake Hellman and Dennis Gilbert together. I mean, those guys are two of the bigger guys out there. So they're getting a, a good uh, heavy dose of playing together out there. I don't know what their plan is. If they're gonna, if that's gonna be one of the shutdown pairs at uh, in Rockford, or what they're gonna do with it, but they are getting a lot of playing time together. Uh, I, you know, Mitchell's the same. You know, I, I, I agree with Eric. What uh, I do see that, that that they are kind of pushing along a little bit too is uh, Yanni Tulola. He's a bigger defenseman from Finland. Uh, it seems like they're giving him chances, some decent chances as well in camp. Uh, but that's, you know, Nicholas Bodan really, I don't know, uh, he, he really not super impressing me. He's not disappointing me, but he's not really standing out either. Uh, they're just, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of these guys kind of blend in together. Same size, same general skill set, and, uh, you know, other than the big couple, uh, the rest of them kind of just blend into the background. Uh, so you teased me with this earlier on. How has the great Alex Fortin? Worked <laughs> in this yeah, aspect? I was just gonna. I was just gonna swing back over to forwards. 
So um, Fortin and uh, Eric and I, I think both agree on this. He's, he's got a jump in his step. Yeah. He, he looks like he looks hungry. Like he did two years ago. And, hungry like the wolf. Yes. Hungry like the wolf. And uh, last year he was hurt. He wasn't, he, he wasn't in camp and he was, he was kind of hurt a lot of the season. Never really. Yeah. Never really recovered. Uh, didn't have a great season in Rockford, but this year, I mean, he's out there hungry. Like he's, he's wheeling, he's shooting, he's hungry for the puck and it may not, you know, it may not equate into anything, but, uh, he's one of the more noticeable forwards out there. I think and and this is a guy with a year of pro hockey under his belt now too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago in camp, I mean, that was the thing about Fortin. He jumped out because, you know, he played with so much energy and so aggressively, and, and uh, he, he has speed. Um, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, he looks good. He looks pretty good out there. I think you you agree, Eric? Yeah, I think uh, the two words that I would use to describe him this week would probably be confident and polished. Um, and I think part of that goes with the aggressiveness and the speed as far as the the confidence. And then, uh, as John mentioned with the experience being in Rockford last year, obviously he's going to look a little bit more polished than some of the other guys out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, John Dahlstrom. He's made himself noticeable by being annoying. (laughs) You know, he's, he's kind of in the, uh, the mold of, uh, an Andrew Shaw type kind of player. It's kind of a agitator. He's got some skill, but, uh, you know, he was even agitating his own goalie. So, you know, take that for what, what it about, is. Speaking of agitators, what about Soderlund? What's what's going on with him? You know, he's had a quiet week. I, I, what do you think, Eric? Yeah, I. the only thing I really noticed with him is the effort. He's definitely been working hard, but he hasn't really done anything that really stands out as far as any skills go. Um but yeah, I mean the effort's been there, and with that comes some speed. But um, as far as stick skills or anything like that, I haven't seen a whole lot worth writing home about. Um, yeah, there's uh, let's see, Jacob Nielsen, who's the oldest guy out there. Uh, he's the guy that uh, was Jeremy Calton's pet project from from uh, from overseas. That he uh, he I think suggested come over. Uh, he's okay. Uh, another center, five ten area, you know, in the one seventy to one seventy five range, looks just like everyone else. Like you know, Nathan Noel, same thing. Um, you know, they're all the same size. Tim Soderlund is a little bit shorter than that, but then you got Jake Wise, five ten. Uh, Hakarainen, who's just makes it to six feet. I don't know if he makes it to six feet for real. Um. You know, Dahlstrom's just over six feet. Uh, Evan Barrett, five foot eleven. I mean, a lot of these guys look the same out there. Um, Bondra, you know, the, you know, the bigger players like Radovan Bondra, uh, he's definitely bigger than everyone out there. Him and uh, the free agent Connor Moynihan, uh, uh, with Jack Ramsey and uh, Josiah Slavin, Josiah Slavin, and Bo Starrett are the biggest guys out there. Starrett. Um, those guys are, you know, definitely the biggest players, but they're more of these slower players, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, Starrett, uh, I, I, he seems probably he's probably the quickest of them all. I think. Would you would you say Eric out of the big guys? Uh, 
Yeah, I'd say either him or Slavin. Slavin yeah. has had pretty good edge work throughout the camp. Yeah, right. I've been impressed with that, and his shooting is very good as well. He can been shoot. Very impressed with that. Yeah, he he can definitely shoot. He finds the puck, he can shoot, and he can get it off. Uh, to me, he didn't look. He's listed at one ninety almost. He didn't look like that to me. Uh, he kind of no. looked kind of tall and lanky, but uh, you know it didn't stop him. So. Uh, and of course, we're uh, we've missed out on our favorite midget the last few days, in Nicholas Nordgren. <laughs> yeah, I was wait, I was leaving that to last. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, he he is he. Uh, I would say he's not five nine. No. He's listed at five nine. He's probably closer to five eight or five seven. Uh, he was getting pushed around. He, he which means skated. he, which means he has a very great future ahead of him with the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I think the first day he was getting pushed around in the contact drills. They had uh, the coaches had the pads out, and were you know doing a little bit of the contact drills. He was getting kind of knocked around, and he hasn't been back since. So take that for what it is, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, one guy that I've noticed a lot because he looks bigger than I remember him is uh, Matthias From, or From, uh, the Danish. Uh, player who they drafted i think last year he played in sweden but yeah he was a guy that they um that he was getting a lot of uh talk about a year ago as being a kind of a sleeper type player matthias Frome. yeah the, he, the pride of denmark he seems to me bigger than his listed six one he seems taller uh and he may be more than he's listed at 161 160 pounds he looks like uh he, he he looks bigger than Slavin out there. So I don't know. I mean, he, he kind of reminds me of a, you know, Philip Deneau type kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's his eventual upside. I'm just saying what he reminds me of. It, yeah. You know, if, if I had to compare him to what I've seen before. Uh, Michael Hekarainen, I've seen a lot of him. Uh, again, he's a smaller player. I, he's listed at six foot. I don't think he may be 5'10". I don't know. He doesn't look that big out there. Um, but you know, he seems okay. I think uh, he's going to have to work on his speed a little bit. If he's going to be small and play in the NHL, I think he's going to, you know, have to. Well, if you're, I mean, yeah, I mean, small guys in the NHL, but you better have some some superlative skill because it is a physical game, you know. And uh, um, yeah, for some reason, the Hawks just keep drafting these tiny players. Well, what about the Brinket though? <laughs> Well, yeah. So there's one. Hey, you know, to, to Debrickett's credit, I mean, he's a kid, he's a guy who's pretty fearless, and he'll go into the corners. Doesn't always win, but he, he's willing. And uh, you know, he's a guy. So he plays a little bigger than his size, you know. And that and that's the thing. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the, it's not the you know the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight of the dog. Sorry for to use a cliche, but it's really true. And you know, the other thing is is. You got, you know, for for every guy who's drafted high with a lot of, um, you know, hype attached to him, you got these guys like, I, you know, just think about guys like Steve Larmer, you know, who came out of nowhere, or Ed Belfort came out of nowhere, and and uh, you know, guys like Alex Fortin. I mean, he there, there's a guy who has a chance to be a, a decent NHL player on some level in some role, and um, you know, you just hope some of these guys that they've drafted, you know, with who are smaller guys have that competitiveness to them. I mean, people always talk about Duncan Keith, you know, about how like 
a young, a small defenseman can be successful because look at Duncan Keith. What people forget is Duncan Keith has like off the charts competitiveness that drove him, you know, to 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 add strength and and to become an NHL player and then become a great NHL player. And um, I don't know. I just I haven't been there with you guys. I haven't seen these guys, but I just I hear I hear a lot of meh coming from you guys, and it just it just concerns me, um, you know, based upon how the roster looks. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll know more tomorrow, but yeah, because they're going to do the scrimmage tomorrow. Scrimmage so we'll actually tomorrow, see yeah. a five on five. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the other thing that you, you could mention about Duncan Keith is his fitness levels are like off the charts. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. He's like you know one of the one of the fittest players on the team. He's got the, you know, he can In probably the play the entire game and not come off and be all right. He's yeah, I mean, rare... well, he's actually got like his. VO2 max has been like measured as being only, only comp, you know, like the only comparable out there is Lance Armstrong or was Lance Armstrong, who was, who was doping at the time. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, so Duncan Keith has, you know, just crazy genetics. And I mean, we've, we've litigated this whole thing about, you know, the importance of size in the NHL and how smaller players have to really work harder in a lot of ways or be super talented. Um, and, I don't know. It's just it's just interesting that you know they, the whole roster seems to be like five foot eleven, six feet tall, one hundred seventy five pounds, and you, you just really hope that that competitiveness is there or really exceptional skill. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I named off a couple of the bigger players that for them they should be licking their lips and their eyes should be as big as dinner plates because there's so few spots in this organization where there are players of size. So they could step in if they can show, you know, if they can prove themselves, they could step in and, and, and take a spot. If a Radovan Bondra could finally figure out the North American game, or the, at least the North American pro game, he could do something. He could, you know, play a big part in Rockford, but he just has to figure out the, the, the North American game, and he hasn't yet. Uh, you know, Slavin, eventually, I mean, he's still young. Uh, Bo Sterrett, uh, he's 22, man. I mean, that guy's not getting any younger, but he's 6'5 and weighs 225. He's got, you know, he's got some size to him. And uh, because the rest of the, you know, the rest of the guys in Rockford and the guys on the Blackhawks aren't not that big. Uh, he no. could, you know, you, you never know. Uh, it could be a surprise. So uh, you got anything as far as anything other as far as forwards go, Eric, that you want to mention? Nothing's really coming to mind no yeah i mean yeah again it's meh i wanted to see more of jack ramsey because uh he, he had a good camp last year even though you know his college stats didn't didn't uh, reflect but he had a good camp last year uh, but he's been i think injured because uh, we missed him today and i think yesterday too um so but fit wrapping up with my favorite position <laughs> we'll go to the goalies uh it's a it's a new year. There's no one that was uh, other than, uh, you know, the infamous one, Walter Pieter. <laughs> we uh, we have a bunch of fresh faces, uh, to put it to put it lightly. Um, Alex Alexis Gravel was the one Blackhawks uh, draft pick. He's uh, you know they they have him in camp. I kind of hoped that Kevin Lankinen was going to show up to camp and play, but he's not. Uh, and uh, like I said, the Vouter Peters, he's there. Uh, and then they have four uh, free agents there. 
So I kind of came in with an open mind. My boy, uh, Calendelia, you know, has graduated to at least the AHL at this point. Uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but I wanted to get out there and get a fresh look at some new faces. And uh, I did. Uh, I like what I see out of Alexis Gravel. He's still young. He's still got some growing to do. <coughs> Excuse me. As, uh, as far as being a goalie, but he's... You know, he's got good positioning. He's a lefty, which is something they don't have in the system. Sometimes that's an advantage if players aren't paying attention. Um, so uh, he's got good size. He's over 220 pounds. He's six foot two. So that's all good stuff, which is basically all these goalies in camp, except for one of them. They were all six foot two or bigger and all at least, you know, 195, 200 pounds. Uh, Peters. I'm going to leave him to last. <laughs> Eric knows my opinion on him, and he and he can weigh in as well. Uh, Peyton Jones, a free agent from Penn State. Nothing really extraordinary out of him. Uh, Chase Marchant, he's a, a free agent goalie. He's the, on the smaller side. He's very aggressive, wide stance, gives up the corners a lot, but you know he's okay. Uh, Matthew Robeson really didn't show me anything. He's... Uh, 6'3", 200 pounds, from Minnesota. He's just okay. Uh, the goalie that I like, and I mentioned it in, in my first day recap, is uh, Lyndon Marshall. He's out of uh, RPI, which is a college. Uh, he's 19 years old, six foot three, just under 200 pounds. Uh, what I do like, uh, and I've mentioned it several times, but if you don't read my writing or whatever, um, he has very little wasted motion. He's very efficient. He's good positionally. Uh, he slides well side to side with very little movement. Uh, he's not very aggressive. He's not, you know, he's, which is more of like Joe Quenville style. Honestly, Joe Quenville likes a goalie. Who's, you know, more of the Corey Crawford type makes the saves that needs to make, uh, doesn't have to do anything spectacular because he doesn't put himself out of position. So he's, he's a lot like that. Um, so it's sort of Corey Crawford type of goalie. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Um, I think he's, you know, I, I think he may show up somewhere eventually, you know, in a system somewhere. It may only, you know, his top end may only be a, a, an AHL position, but I think somewhere uh, this kid, uh, you know, when he's done with his college career, will end up somewhere in someone's system. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to, you know, turn into the next Calendelia, um, not many goalies will, but, um, you know, I, I think he's got the talent, the, the, at least the natural ability and, uh, someone should take a chance on this guy at some point. Um, I, I, what do you think, Eric? Yeah. I mean, the thing that stood out to me with him is that he just really keeps his body packed in really tight. Um, so he's not, you know, all over the place, um, with his arms and his legs. Um, and like you said, very efficient, um, that's definitely the word that comes to my mind when I think about him. Yeah. So um, let's wrap it up with the prize goalie uh, prospect. Uh, the Blackhawks uh, want to, I don't know, present to us as the, t- the top prospect outside of the A, you know, outside of the pro ranks, which is Wouter Peters. Um, for the third year in a row, I don't see anything special out of this guy. He's got size, and that's about it. 
I mentioned it to Eric and he put it in our recap yesterday, which is he, the word that comes to mind with him is clunky. He's not efficient. He's not smooth. He gets himself in position where he's flailing a lot. Um, I, I, you know, I'm just not really super impressed. What do you, what do you think, Eric? Yeah. One thing, um, we, we discussed it a little bit throughout the last couple of days too, is it seems like whenever he gets beat a few times in a row or within close proximity, he gets down on himself and loses his confidence and it just kind of snowballs from there. Um, and he, he plays different. He plays, um, just with a lot less confidence and he, reacts slower it seems and he i don't know he he just has not had a good week um yeah i mean there was one drill i think he let in probably five or six in a row on um yeah yeah so i don't i don't think he's anything special moving he's forward the, he's the biggest goalie out there but he was getting beat on all the corners low and high all over the place and to 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 kind of piggyback off what you were saying with the, the confidence thing. That's that's an excellent point because the last two goalies that I saw that have confidence issues like that were Matt Carruth, Anton Forsberg, uh, you know, where it's just snowballs. Once the confidence goes down, you watch the head dip down and it's all over after that. And I saw that, in a couple of different camps with Matt Carruth, it was like that. And it, and it showed when he went to, when he played in Rockford, because he had a couple of epic meltdowns getting pulled after giving up bad goals. And uh, yeah, I, I've heard audibly Peters, you know, saying stuff or, or just giving like a damn, like after a, after giving up a goal. Um, Quite a few times. Yeah. Yep. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they may never even sign him to a, to a, you know, they brought him over here to, to, to let him uh, develop. And he really didn't have a decorated year in the USHL. And uh, they may never sign him to an entry level deal. They may just let him go. Yeah. So, I mean, they've done it with other players. So, you know, as far as goalie goes, like I said, Alexis Gravel and Marshall Linden are the two that, that I like the best. If I was going to choose and, uh, you know, but, uh, these guys may very well you know, disappear into the ether. Uh, uh, you got anything else as far as goalies go, Eric? No, I, I think we're both on the same page with pretty much everybody. All right, cool. All right. Well, um, I think that wraps up camp for at least right now. We're going to, we're going to, uh, be covering it tomorrow. I'm sure Eric which is Eric's been a godsend because he's been taking care of most of the video clips while I can go take pictures and do other stuff. So that's awesome. It's better to have the two headed monster there than it was to uh, be doing it by myself. Cause doing video and pictures and all that stuff all together was uh, exhausting to say the least. So, uh, but if anyone has not been to the NBA arena and they get a chance to go out there, I highly suggest it. It's a very impressive facility. Uh, compared to you know what they were doing with you know with Johnny's West, this is like night and day. It is beautiful. Yeah, it is a top-notch facility, and they've uh, gone uh, well out of their way to make sure that this uh, you know can be a showpiece. Uh, both rinks are gorgeous, and uh, it's not like 
cramming into the uh, the bleachers at Johnny's West like it used to be. It's all spread out. There's plenty of room. And uh, so if you can get out there for an open practice or get out there for the scrimmage tomorrow, do it. Even the amenities for the fans are pretty nice, too, in the stands. Um, I mean, where we've been sitting, there's granite countertops and, um, you know, outlets and everything, which is great for us to be able to spread out and stuff. And even there's some some pretty nice cushioned chairs um, in one area. So it's a really nice setup for the fans, too. Yeah, and uh, the stands are at a nice, uh, you know, a nice angle so that uh, if people stand up, they're, you know, not necessarily going to be in your way. Just very nice. It's very nice. Uh, you know, they they they've got the nice little area where they can hide all the uh, the team pe- You know, the Quenvilles and the the McDonough's and all that stuff. So, uh, but yeah. So um, let's wrap it up with a couple of questions. What do you think, guys? Sounds good. Let's do it. Cool. All right. Questions. Here we go. Uh, the first one from our favorite meatball, Jim Chaplin. Uh, is there a team in the division the Hawks can beat this year? I think we all know the answer. <laughs> what do you, what do you guys think? I think Jim answered that question himself on Facebook. No. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, it's a really good division too. Yeah. Uh, I, I was looking at the standings before we hopped on here and, for so the Hawks were in last place in the division, obviously, and the next closest team was the Dallas Stars. And for the Blackhawks to have put up the same number of points that Dallas did, and keep in mind Dallas didn't make the playoffs either, for the Hawks to have gotten that many points, they would have had to have played probably close to a hundred games this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's not looking. So, and th- and that was with the Blackhawks at least starting decent last year. You know they came right. out they came out fi- on fire. And if if they keep going in like like they're going with this roster now, and 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 no uh, Cody Franzen is going to save this team, uh, they're going to be they're you know they could start off two and ten. They could start you know, yeah. It could be ugly starting off this season the way uh, the way this roster sits as it is right now. Well, and another thing to keep in mind too is a lot of the other teams have been actually adding nice pieces in the off season. I mean, you look at what St. Louis has done showing up down the middle and they're going to probably be better this year than they were last year. And, you know, despite what some people think the Hawks are not any better this year than they were last year. No, they're Chris worse right Kunitz now. It's not putting you over the hump. <laughs> no, they're worse right now than they were when they ended the season. Um, and then you got St. Louis who shored up the mid. I mean, they basically shored up the one position the Blackhawks are weak at, which is center. So the Blackhawks are just going to get beat up and down the rink at, at the faceoff dot for the rest of the season. So yeah. wonderful. Anyway, uh, Tony Janaris, we mentioned him earlier. Who's your top five, ten prospects most likely to correct the NHL roster? Uh, go ahead, you can take this one to start off with Eric. Sure. Um, for me, I'll go top five, um, and this is largely as of this week um, with what we've seen at prospect camp. Uh, number five, I'd say about Dan, just because of the, the upside there in the offensive end. Number four, Jake Wise. I would not have had him in the top five coming into the week, but I think he's shown enough to, to earn a spot in the top five. And then the top three for me are not super close to the rest. Number three, Yoki Haru. 
number two, Ian Mitchell, and number one, Adam Boquist. And most likely to crack the roster this season, uh, I mean, out of those five, the only one close is Yoki Haru. And as John was mentioning earlier, and I would agree, I don't think it's probably best for him to be wearing a Blackhawk sweater this, this fall. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Um, you know, it. you may see some of these names that were in camp this summer uh, play, like Dennis Gilbert or Blake Hellman. You know, they they, they both got NHL time. Alex so. Fortin. Alex Fortin. <laughs> you may Alex see. Fortin. You could see Alex Fortin. Um, but other than that, uh, I don't, you know, um, I, I don't see anyone really breaking out and making the roster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at the list here, and, and nothing jumps out and grabs me. So, uh, I, you're, I think your best chances of anyone making or at least getting NHL playing time are out of Gilbert and Hillman right now. Uh, just because they're going to be, you know, probably playing so much in Rockford. I could see Hillman getting a roster spot. I mean, he played a couple of games last year, looked actually pretty decent, and... Uh... You know, he does the things that Q likes. He plays smart and, and uh, doesn't get out of position. And um, I could actually see him being a guy that, uh, you know, that could make the team, you know, six, seven spot. Yeah. And then, and then you were also, there, there are also guys like, you know, uh, Edsel that weren't in prospect camp and, and he could get some playing time. I mean, if they're, yeah, if they feel they're weak at left wing and they feel that Edsel can play left wing, then he may, he may get a third line spot at left wing. Or, uh, you know, crazier things have happened. I mean, you know, Tyler Mott made the team out. Uh, yeah. How many? Well, I mean, Etzel had a terrific AHL playoffs. Doesn't necessarily translate into, you know, success in the NHL. Um, but got the size. Um, he's got a terrific shot. Um, the question is, you know, can he translate those results in lesser leagues into um, some success in the NHL? And what's his role? I mean, he's probably not going to be a top six guy. Um, so can he adjust his game in the NHL to more of a lower line, um, type of forward role? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and again, Kyle Bond made the Blackhawks roster one year. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. stranger things have happened. Yeah. Uh, next question. Can I just jump in? Real no, quick? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to give Tony a freebie too. Um, just a little bit of a longer term project, but I, like the progression of Andre Alti Bermakian, um, very highly skilled guy um, playing over in Russia. Uh, still has a long way to go. He's probably at least three years away still. But the early returns on uh, how much progress he's made since being drafted look pretty good. Yeah, that's exciting. Is he playing um, in the top top level in Russia KHL? He got he got a little bit of time in the KHL at the end of the season, but not a whole lot. I think he played 15 games, and it was at a, a little bit of a diminished role. Um, but he'll be making the look at KHL roster this season. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's one thing we don't get to see a lot of uh, is Russians. The Russians there, come over. There are zero in the camp. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, Nailamov or, uh, you know, Alti Barmakian, uh all those Russians, we're not getting to see a whole lot. So that we're kind of almost leaving them off the list because we don't get to see so much of them. Yeah, tie uh, them off. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, 
Dan Metch from the Facebook page. I, I didn't re- I didn't pre-read this question, so I'm just going to... He kind of rambled a little bit, so I'm going to go through it. Now that we have cap space, does that increase the pressure to commit to an all-in philosophy, or are we doomed to the 2016-17 outcome while Stan milks the meatheads for ticket sales? It seems a rebuild would have been easier to sell with the cap ceiling as an excuse than it is now. Am I wrong in... Uh, for wanting Stan to double down on a cheap veteran reclamation project like the Cubs, uh, to, to, to let them play and flip the success uh, at the deadline for futures. Parent club loses and the kids get to grow under Colleton and hopefully pick up a winning attitude experience down there. What do you think, John? I think that clearly this Hosa trade and the fact that they gave up an asset in Vincent Estrosa that they wanted to keep it indicates to me that they're freeing up some dollars to do something. And, um, you know, so it clearly, I mean, clearly they're still trying to follow that, that path of the last couple of years of, uh, trying to build for the future through the draft, but then, you know, sort of retool the roster during the summer to make it competitive for the coming year. And I still believe that they're going to try to, they're going to try to bring in, um, some kind of a um, higher value NHL player yet this year. I mean, I'm just reading um, uh, an article by my friend Pete Tessier, a writer out of Winnipeg, that uh, Jacob Truba is looking for $7 million a year um, to re-up in Winnipeg, and Winnipeg is, is having some serious questions about that. When you look at his numbers and, and his, his, you know, his fancy stats compared to some of the higher-paid defensemen in the league, they're pretty good. Um, he's 23 years old. And, you know, I asked the question, you know, would, would it be worth investing $7 million a year in a Jacob Truba? I don't know, you know, because like I said, he's 23. He's probably going to get better. Um, right. So the point is, and again, I haven't heard specifically that the Hawks have a high level of interest in him. I have heard his name on a couple of occasions. Um, you know, you talk about Max Petrietti earlier. So my in answer to the question, right or wrong, and I, I've, I've been a believer over the last several months that they should just go full on rebuild, tear down and rebuild. But I don't think, you know, they're not listening to me. And I think what they're trying to do is, you know, build for the future through the draft, restock the the talent pipeline at all levels. But they're with the current roster that they have, the contracts that they have, at least for this year, I think they are going to try to, to add one more quality player. Yeah. And I also get the uh, impression that, that they are trying to catch lightning in a bottle, trying yeah. to assume that everything's not going to go wrong this year like it did last year. Yeah. And hoping that Corey Crawford's going to be, you know, playing, you know, and hoping that Alex DeBrinkett take, uh, takes that next jump and, and you know, and uh, Nick, and hoping that Nick Schmaltz takes that next jump. And yeah. uh, it's a lot of hopes and dreams and prayers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that they, they could stay competitive. Because, you know, Stan kind of said in, in his press conference with, you know, we don't have to make a move right now. We can make a move in season. But if they start out under 500, you know, they're four and 10 or whatever. And they're, couple, you know, they're, they're, they're starting, they're, they're starting underwater already. I mean, does a big splash like that make even make a difference when they're that far behind considering the division? Yeah, the other in? thing is, is I think in season, Generally speaking, it's more of a seller's market um, <laughs> as opposed to a buyer's market. Um, you know, I mean, you look at 
most of the deals in season happen in February, and most teams overpay for guys at that time of year. Stan Bowman should know that by now, mm-hmm. you know, based on his own track record. Yeah. I mean, even the successful deals he's had at the trade deadline, like Antoine Vermette, he paid a high price for him. Yep. You know, so I, I, I don't know, and I don't necessarily buy this this whole thing that there's no there's no urgency on the part of the team. I think that's that's talk. I think that's being put out there basically to kind of send a smoke screen to other GMs that they're not desperate to make a deal. I think that they're pretty. I think they're pretty urgently hoping to make a deal and get something done here. If not, probably not by tomorrow. Uh, but I, st- I think before September, they'd like, they really would like to do something to improve the roster. Um, in spite of, you know, the, the public rhetoric of we like our team and, um, you know, where we can do something later on. Yeah. You know, when Stan Bowman waits to do things, generally speaking, he ends up getting hosed. Yeah. Nick Letty. Yeah, exactly. Patrick Sharp. Yep. That's exactly what's going to happen if he, if he waits. So. Uh, I, I, I'm not of the opinion that, uh, you know, waiting is a good idea because that puts you in a hole and uh, your bargaining, your bargaining chips don't necessarily increase as, as oh. the longer you wait. So, well, speaking of bargaining chips, uh, Doc Wall 3 on Twitter, new question asker, does Connor Murphy have any market value without retaining salary? I'll, I'll yes, he does. <laughs> I think so too. You don't have to retain any of his salary. Um, He's young. He's cost controlled. Uh, he's you know been okay with. He was okay with Arizona just because. I mean, I think the rest of the league realizes that just because a guy doesn't play well for Joe Quenville doesn't mean he's not going to play good for their team. You know, um, because uh, Trevor Daly. Uh, you know, go down the list of players, of players. You know, it, Michael Kempney. Uh, you yeah. Know, just because Connor Murphy gets in Joel Quenville's doghouse doesn't mean that because he's in an affordable salary and he's probably, you know, a four, a three, four defenseman doesn't mean he doesn't have any value. I yeah. Mean, I don't know that he's a three, four defenseman. He may be four or five, but he showed last year actually that he could play pretty well, both sides of the ice. He's physical. He's, he's young, um, cost controlled. Um, and you know, the other thing too, is he came into a difficult situation last year. I mean, that was a pretty much of a train wreck of a blue line overall. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think Connor Murphy was the biggest problem on that blue line. Um, no. So, yeah, I think, I think, you know, he has some value. Um, I think the problem is, and I, I, from what I've heard, they've been shopping him and Anisimov quite a bit. And the problem is, is that I think they're trying to get way too much in return for Connor Murphy and or Artem Anisimov. It's, so it's not that they don't have value. It's that that's Bowman is trying to get the sun, the moon, and the stars in return. And, you know, most GMs are not that stupid. No. <laughs> not at all. Uh, Shady Driver, my boy Shady. Um, what would it take for John McDonough to get fired? Yeah, John, this is your expertise right here, buddy. Well, I you know, it's funny. I saw that question today and I thought about it some and Guys like John McDonough usually don't get fired. And the reason being is that guys like John McDonough always have an, an exit strategy. You know, they're the kind of guys when they go in a restaurant, they always get a chair facing the, the door. You know? Yeah. I mean, these guys are smart. They're thinking three steps ahead. So I don't force, I don't, the only way John McDonough would get fired would be if he did what is arguably not a really bright thing, and that is become too attached and double down on 
a GM, for example, or a head coach, for example, who was just crapping the bed. And he's not going to do that. And quite honestly, you know, there's there are some I've I've heard whispers that he's even initiated a quiet, you know, um, executive search for uh, GM candidates. So, you know, the bottom line is if, if, if it's between Stan Bowman and John McDonough and it's up to John McDonough, well, Stan Bowman's going to get it and um, before John McDonough will. And. Um, so my guess is, is that it, when, when John McDonough leaves the Blackhawks, it'll either be retirement or it will be for another position that makes sense as the next stop on his resume. Um, I just, he's the kind of guy I, I, that usually does not get fired. I said it a year ago and I'll say it again. NHL commissioner, John McDonough. Could be. I'll bet that's be. what he's vying for. It wouldn't for. necessarily be worse than the guy that we have. Yeah. I think that's what he's <laughs> vying for. I think that's his next... I think that's what he has in his sights. Whether he gets it or not, I don't know, but that's where I think he's aiming for. I And, and again, I agree with you. Um, McDonough's not going anywhere right now. I mean, he's turned. He, he's the guy who they brought in and kind of turned this thing around originally as far as, you know, getting the the whole organization. I'm not just saying what the on-ice product, but the whole organization. He created that culture that... You know, the media and all the one goal and all this stuff. He's done yeah. so much good as far as the entire organization itself. He's he is he is, you know, I'm in the branding business in my day job and he's he's a brilliant marketer and he understands branding and building brands and maintaining brands. Now, the the difficult thing about maintaining a brand is you, you have to have a quality product. Ultimately, all the advertising and promotion in the world, if it, if it attracts people to an inferior product, the brand is going to is going to suffer. And unfortunately, that's what's going on with the Hawks right now. And while John McDonough understands branding and promotion really, really well, and he's very good at it, the challenge of you know retooling uh, an aging roster and a, a bloated salary cap um, is not in his wheelhouse per se. No. And, the organization is struggling with that right now in, in a huge way. Um, and so is, I do I, you know, if you ask, if you ask me the question, do I see John McDonough with the Hawks in another two, two to three, two years, even I, my answer would be that's, that's a 50, 50 bet right there, yeah. but it won't be because he's fired. It'll be because he leaves for something else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think he's the, I think you're, you would see Quenville go first. I think you'd see uh, yep. Bowman be, would be the second choice to go and yep. McDonough would be third. I think uh, because McDonough doesn't make all the on ice decisions. He's got kind of got that in his back pocket. Like, well, I, you know, that's what Stan did. Stan did that. You know, I'm just here to, you know, kiss mm-hmm. babies and, 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 you know, open new rinks and, uh, you know, yeah. one, one goal and, uh, you know, get the draft here and, all that stuff that he's done shows well on his resume. Yeah. Cause that's what his job is. His job really isn't getting, you know, uh, Marion Hosa or whatever. That's not really his job. That's kind of more Stan, Stan Bowman's job and Stan has, he's done some good things, but he's, he's mucked up this stand, this, uh, this cap situation. And, uh, it's biting him in the ass at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's kind of unfair about it is that Bowman has not operated in a vacuum. 
Um, these big contracts they've given out have been organizational decisions, and they have John John McDonough's imprimatur on them. Um, but at the end of the day, if one guy's going to take the fall for him, it's going to be probably be Stan Bowman. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, if the if they don't start off right, man, uh, Quenville could see the could see the door if they don't. Uh, yeah. Come out. He'll be the first, probably. Yeah. And uh, oh, and Rocky Works has gone on the record saying that you know he's not afraid to make changes if they're if they're struggling coming out of the gate and it gets to Christmas time. Right. Yeah. And and, and I kind of brought this up with the, with Mario and and you guys weren't with us last week, but kind of brought this up with Mario and uh, and Aaron. Like, yeah, sure. What's the better option out there? That's you could say that. And it sounds all good and well, but do we know? Do we know if Jeremy Carlton may be the next great NHL coach? We don't. But there is going to be a next wave of good NHL coaches. You can't yes. re- you can't always recycle the same guys over and over and over again. There's going to be another wave. So you don't know until you actually go out there and start hiring new guys. So it's kind of a catch-22. Who's better? And, can, and, and as, as we've theorized, I mean, I could see Jeremy Colton being the next head coach of the Hawks or a future head coach of the Hawks. The, the, the issue is I don't see him being the right guy to coach this roster, right. you know, where there are guys on the roster who are older than he is. And, you know, you've got you've got, uh, you know, several guys who've won several Stanley Cups Um <clears throat> I just I, I don't know. I, it feels to me like if you're going to bring somebody in, they better have some gravitas and some experience and some skins on the wall, um, because like it or not, I mean, you know, and you can we can debate till the cows come home whether Crunville has lost the room. And there's some some evidence that he has. But, you know, um, these guys, you know, that are there now are not necessarily going to, you know, run through walls for for, you know, some guy from from Rockford. I mean, I don't see it. Well, um there are two things that I've seen this year in camp as far as like the coaching staff goes that caught my attention a little bit that I have not seen before. The first is that Joe Quenville has been there every day. Yeah. He was not, he has not gone to and done that in past years. He would show up for a day and then you wouldn't see him again. He's been there every day up in that, up in that, uh, that bird's nest that they have up there. Stan, That's good. I've seen Stan Bowman there. I've seen Al McIsaac. I've seen John McDonough, which I have not seen uh, at past prospect camps. I haven't seen a lot of McDonough. He was there. I've seen him at least two of the days. Um, and we brought up Colleton. Um, there's, I have never seen the Ice Hogs head coach out on the ice running drills with prospects. And Jeremy Colleton the past two days has been out there. And he does command a presence. I mean, he has a, a respect of those kids. Uh, I, you know, he kind of was holding court. He was kind of in charge out there. Yeah, I mean. Which was impressive. Those, those are prospects. A lot of those guys yeah. are hoping as the, as the next step in their career to play for Jeremy Colleton. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's all well and good. And like I said, I mean. There are things that Colton was doing during the playoffs in Rockford this year that that speak to a pretty innovative hockey mind and and some some ways of approaching the game that could really translate at the NHL level. Like, I, but my thing is, is I just I question with the with the Hawk roster 
the number of, you know, sort of storied veterans that they have on the roster. I'm just not sure how well they would respond to him, um, you know, in that he's actually younger chronologically than some of them. And, um, you know, maybe maybe it would be a lightning in a bottle scenario. He could come in and really re-energize the team and, and uh, get their attention. Um, I don't know. I, the, if you, if the, I think if you, if you lose Coinville, I'm not sure who the right replacement is. I'm not sure if that guy's out there. I yeah. don't know. With this roster. Well, originally I thought it was going to be Kevin Deneen, but yeah, I don't know. Over that the years, I think that's kind of slipped, but they have Ulf Samuelson. Uh, who knows? I mean, they have some pretty, you know, they have, they have some some uh, assistants that have some 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 NHL, uh, you know, uh, experience. So well, here's the other thing: I would not be surprised if if say they they gave Quanville his walking papers in December. I would not be at all surprised if Barry Smith didn't get the job until the end of the year as an interim head coach. What about Don Granado? Uh, yeah, or Don Granado is another. It's another one. Yeah. You know, I mean, so there are guys there with with head coaching experience. Lots of them. Gary <laughs> uh, Smith, who has the the um, you know uh, the Scotty Bowman endorsement, and and Don Granado, who you know a lot of people feel like may have some NHL you know head coaching um, positions ahead of him. So you never know. I mean, it, it's just hard to say. It's it's I don't know. And Quinville's been been there for ten years. It's really hard to imagine anybody else behind the bench. But it's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, for sure. The question is, is when and what kind of team will he be coaching and wh- where will the organization be? Will it be in full rebuild mode? Cause you, you, you know, some coaches you don't bring in for a rebuild. Some coaches like Quenville, when he was brought in, you bring him in to optimize a team on the rise. Yeah. Right. You know, exactly. Um, so that's, that's the other thing too. Yeah. So, well, all right. Well, I think we kind of touched on most of the points. Uh, John, you got anything more you want to bring up? Uh, a couple shout outs, um, okay, sure. our, our boys in, in Hawks chat, um, you know, the, the, there's new material all the time. And, uh, I, uh, I got invited into a chat by, um, another group that, that just coincidentally goes by elite Hawks chat. Oh. I've been promising those guys for the last couple of weeks. I was going to give them a shout out. I really, uh, I enjoy the, the hockey discussion in there and the popular culture discussion in there. Um, it's always, always a pleasure. I also want to, uh, um, make a tribute of sorts to uh, former Hawk goaltender, Ray Emery. Oh yes. Uh, passed Good away uh, last weekend. Um, Ray was a, um, you know, a real warrior. Um, a lot of, I've, i never met him personally, but I've, I've met some people who have and, and, uh, you know, his on ice persona of a, of a quiet and uh, good natured, but tough guy was pretty much how he was, you know, throughout his life. And, and, uh, it's a guy that defied the odds to become a really good NHL goaltender, then had a, what would have been a career ending injury for most. He defied the odds again, came back and won, helped win a Stanley cup in Chicago. And, uh, it's just kind of a tragedy. He was in his early thirties and, um, you know, out with friends and, and had a tragic accident. And, uh, so rest in peace, Ray Emery. Yeah, for sure. I, I was a fan of Ray Emery. I liked, uh, I liked the signing at the time. I like his style. Uh, I thought he was, you know, a, an excellent backup goalie for the Blackhawks. I uh, just everything about the guy I really liked. I mean, you know, he didn't he didn't really go on to great things after this, but you know, he he for one special year here in Chicago, man, he he, uh, he yeah. did a lot of nice things. So yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else for you? That's all I got tonight. 
Oh, right. just want to plug our our uh, our sponsors, puckhockey.com, P U C K H C K Y. Um, the other day, I decided to, to you know the the weather was taking a dip, um, cooler temperatures, and hockey's coming, and I went out and bought that uh, blue and black, the rink.com flannel mm-hmm. for the upcoming season. I urge you all to go to p u c k h c k y dot com. Use that, the rink, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, 10% discount code, and get fully outfitted for the upcoming 2018-19 NHL season. Yeah. yeah. Judging by the attendance numbers at Prospect Camp, not a lot of yeah. you have seen me out there. <laughs> but uh, uh, I have been... guys wearing rink flannels. I have been sporting a lot of puck hockey gear, including the rink gear. Today I had the baseball shirt on. I've been, I had the hat on. I had the blue hat the other day. Um, I don't know if I can wear anything. Uh, the rink tomorrow. I may wear just a puck hockey thing, but I will wear something from our sponsors, our glorious sponsors. It's all comfortable gear. I love it. Um, so if you can get over there, they just released a new line of stuff. Is yes, they, they did? You know, uh, so it's all good stuff over there. Get you go get over there and get some stuff. Uh, let me see. Shout outs. Shy Sox history. Went to lunch with him today. Good guy. Uh, if you see him on the, the official tw- attorney. Of yes. The yes. Very nice. Uh, uh, and like I said, Charlie Romeliotis, John Dietz, Scott Powers, uh, the the infamous Jay Zawaski, uh, Mario Tarabasi. <laughs> he was out there. Eric, of course. Uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of networking going on this week, so it's been a fun week. Um, Eric, I think you got it's anything? fair to say, Gate, that you've raised your profile. I don't know about in that. The, in the Hawk blogosphere. I can only raise it about five foot seven inches, so. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you got anything you want to uh, talk about or any shout-outs or anything like that? Uh, well, I was going to mention the apparel. Um, mm-hmm. As you are saying, Jeff, I mean, you've worn some stuff this week that it looks really great. Um, I know I'll probably go on and grab some stuff at some point, been meaning to, but uh, now seeing it, definitely we'll grab some of it. Um, uh guess thanks to my girlfriend she's been supportive <laughs> of me being gone this week um i usually do a lot of cooking and i know she's just trying to get by this week but uh yeah she's been she's been a big support this week yeah it's so. been a tough week for that um oh and i don't want to miss greg boyson either uh he's been we spent a lot of time yeah, with greg he's, boyson he's been good yeah he's a good good dude man he's always been a good dude i had him on the last you know the, at the pocket hostel and he's always been a really good guy so uh, yeah, greg is greg is a really um, positive, friendly, you know, collegial guy. And he always has been, I, I've always liked Greg. And then for those who don't know, I mean, he's been around, like he was the, you know, he, he ran second city hockey for a while and, uh, he's been, you know, in the, the Hawks blogosphere for a long time. So he knows his stuff. Don't, uh, don't let him fool you. <laughs> <laughs> He does. He knows his stuff real well. So, and and it was ni- it was nice to have you know another friend, another uh, longtime friend uh, there to to bounce things off of. So, uh, it's good to see Greg. And uh, again, he's writing for the hockey writers now. So, which is great. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, and I was uh you you uh mentioned the merch again. I was wearing my Hosa wins them all hoodie the past couple days my zip up hoodie. And I actually got a compliment from somebody who, uh, I didn't know just walked up and said, I really like your hoodie. I'm like, excellent. You know? So, uh, shout out to that guy. 
if you're a listener. Um, at that point, at that point, you 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 choke him and you tell him to go buy our stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's about it. I think we're wrapped it up. So uh, you can find all of our wonderful content. Eric and I have been filling it up with uh, www.the-rink.com. Uh, you can find us on the popular social media at the rink official. Uh, the Ringcast account is at the Ringcast. Uh, I am at Puckett Hostel. John is at Jekyll, J A E C K E L. Uh, Eric, you are at W A Laxer 19, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, that's L A X E R 19, W A L A X E R 19. Uh, you've been po- posting up all the video, I've been doing a lot of the pictures. If you go over to our Facebook page, uh, that's facebook.com slash the rink official. Um, I've been putting up pictures every day from camp and I've been kind of replicating some of them over on the Instagram page, but just only a couple, uh, most, a majority of them. And I'll probably have up well over a hundred when we're done of pictures of these prospects. So go over there, check it out, uh, you know, comment and all that good stuff. Uh, if you get a chance, head over to iTunes, rate and review us. We haven't had a review, uh, uh, in a while. We've had ratings, but just not any reviews. So get over there. I'll read it on the air, good or bad. Uh, I don't have any more plugs. Uh, John, I think you're good, right? Okay. Just kind of average, actually. We're not good. Uh, Eric, I think we got you. Yeah, Eric, I think we got you, all your stuff. Uh, yeah. So, all right, well. Thanks, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedule to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the way.